In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast for USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday. I'm alone today. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies. Um, the rest of the crew is off. Uh, Brett Molina, he plays video games, and Kelly Lawler, of course, watches TV. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you'd like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout-out on the next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. And don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at MothershipPod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Today and this week, we've got a special guest double feature. First up, here's a clip. I'm in. Mount up! They only were up there is crossing the ice roads. I thought a leak has been falling for five weeks now. If they are able to accomplish this, we will be exposed. So the question is time. We've been sabotaged. My brother is in that mine. This is personal. Now I'm angry. What the hell was that? Sweet Jesus, that ain't good. That was a clip from The Ice Road, the new Netflix action thriller starring Liam Neeson as an ice road trucker called into emergency duty when a remote diamond mine collapses in Canada, trapping a crew of workers. Though the trip getting there is treacherous in, on several levels for Liam and friends, the film also stars Lawrence Fishburne and this week's first special guest, Benjamin Walker, who plays a corporate risk assessor who's part of Neeson's team. You might have seen Ben in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter and The Heart of the Sea or Netflix's Jessica Jones. And he also appears in Amazon Prime's new The Underground Railroad series. He next stars in The King's Daughter, which he co-stars in with his wife, Kaya Scodelario, and is currently in New Zealand filming Amazon's highly anticipated Lord of the Rings series. Um, so it looks like, you know, just it looks sunny out where you are, which is different than the ice road, which is <laughs> very, which is sunny, but like oh, seemed a lot colder than that. Um, I, so I, I watched the movie and I, and I, it's interesting kind of watching some of the behind the scenes stuff about how they did the fights and how they did like the trucks and everything. And it looks like you guys were actually on a sheet of ice. How did that go? Well, it looks that way because that's what we did. <laughs> from figuring out how to run, fight, choreograph a fight, drive a Mack truck on a frozen lake. Uh, that, that's the breakdown of what the prep for the movie was. And I think that's 
I mean, there's a lot of CG and there's a lot of really good CG these days. But there's something exciting about going to the movies to be transported someplace else and watching someone else suffer in that place. And that's what we do. <laughs> So how did what did you have to wear special shoes or how did that I mean did it have to did he take some time to get used to acting on ice and fighting on ice? Well, yeah. But so what was great about how Jonathan approached it is that it should be messy, it should be slippery. You should see them slip, and then they incorporated. We had a great stunt team, and uh, they incorporated the sliding as part of the fighting. You know, Liam does this big bomb slide down the ice because he has obviously more experience on the ice than I do. And it completely takes my legs out from under me. <laughs> and so it, we just tried to use it as a character in the story. You know, the ice is a kind of, it's not only the environment, it is part of the conflict. We can't say too much about your character, but like you do have a fight with with Liam and it's 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 a pretty epic fight, you know, again, with trucks and ice and and, and everything else kind of involved. Um, he's done a lot of these movies. You've done some action movies, too. What was kind of fun about working with him here? He's a phenomenal actor and he wants it to work. It's not just a fight scene. It's a another tool to tell the story. What is it about the fight that teaches you something more about the people that are fighting and also advances the plot? And it's not it can be cool, but if it's not a storytelling tool, then what's the point? And he really brings those skills and allows you to be better and kind of teaches you to be better. Um, and you, you play a smarmy corporate type and you, you do smarmy really well. I mean, you do heroic too. You do heroic too. Obviously, you know, you, you were, you know, a Lincoln vampire killer. Um, but, you, but you also, I mean, in the, you know, the heart of the sea smarmy captain, which was great. You know, the, um, the, the, the railroad, you know, underground railroad that, that you're, that's it's on Amazon right now smarmy slave you know slaver I, I i feel like that do you feel like those are good roles for you to inhabit or do you just kind of like playing those roles i i kind of don't differentiate them in my mind that's the, you know and obviously there are some uh clearly dangerous or scary people um but that's not my job as an actor is to judge them. My job is to try and understand why they are the way they are mm -hmm. and make that as real as possible. And then in doing that, they usually turn out pretty smarmy. <laughs> if they're written well, which in particularly in this case, they are, uh, it was, and it kind right. of, it's that easy. Well, and I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot that, you know, kind of when you first see your character, you're like, yeah, you know, he's a corporate type and you already have kind of in the back of your head oh, this guy's like this. And then the movie kind of plays on that expectation a little bit as you know, as the, as the story goes on, as you play him, you know, you you figure out that there's more to him just than just the, the corporate guy. Well, and that I mean, that's another testament to the, the script that Jonathan's written that it it is a puzzle. And as the. As the 
crisis starts to fall apart, you learn more information that, that kind of speeds up the time. It's, it's not unlike ice cracking beneath your feet. Hey. <laughs> Did you ever feel like, you know, obviously, you know, they take care of you with stunts and everything like that. But did you ever feel like, you know, just being on that much ice, did you ever feel like, oh, no, I, you know, I, I don't feel safe here. I mean, it's just like not, you know, maybe not verbalize it, but you're like, this is I feel I'm kind of unsteady doing certain things. Well, it, it was surreal at times. There's something about. It felt almost like how you'd imagine standing on the moon. There's something kind of unnatural about it. Your body is telling you this isn't right. Um, there was one day on set where we're rolling the trucks out early in the morning as the sun comes up and you hear these kind of pots, constant pops and cracks and the ice shifting. And, and I looked over at, uh, Jonathan, he said, no, 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 that's, that's a good sound. If the ice is quiet, you should worry. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know, but it, it, it calmed me. That's good. <laughs> um, but that's also part of the fun of doing this job is you get to go different places and experience different things and learn different skills. And um, it was very cold, but well worth it. And you are, you get a lot of scenes with Amber mid thunder. Um, and yeah. she, you know, she's someone we, we, we've seen a lot of you. We've seen a lot of Liam Neeson, but we haven't seen a lot of her yet. And she's a, she's a really good actress, you know, kind of what was that like kind of working with her a lot in, in scenes and, and kind of being able to introduce you know, new talent like that. Well, she's in incredibly good and incredibly tough. Um, and what was fun to it might because we have such a combative uh, relationship, mm -hmm. it was that that's fun. Someone that can meet you in the middle and be just as rough back. And she's also very, very funny. We spent a lot of time just in the cab of a truck. And uh, <laughs> there were times where we were having so much fun in between takes uh, that we had to, you know, take a minute to just kind of refocus and remember we didn't like each other. Did you get to actually drive on the ice? Did you get to drive the truck on the, any, on the ice? Um, I drove in some snow. We were in trucks on the ice, um, but I had some driving training in this brand new Kenworth and my instructor, we were in a parking lot and my instructor said, don't worry. It's virtually impossible to stall this thing. Uh, just take it easy, ease it into first and we'll do a couple laps and you can get the, get a feel for it. At which point I eased it right into a stall. And uh, <laughs> that was day one. So I, I didn't behoove them to let us drive. Also, what was safe was one road, one lane. And um, no, I don't think uh, that would be prudent. Yeah. I mean, I, but now, I mean, now that you know how to drive that truck, you can like, if you need a second, second job, well, I mean, take it, take it, trucks on the highway, it's well, probably easier than I, I, I can, I can back it up and move it a little bit. <laughs> I don't, don't, I'm not one of those actors that I drove a truck in a movie. Therefore I am, I am now a long haul trucker. No, 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 no. You cannot quote me as saying that. 
if anything, I've learned, uh, gained a huge respect for for people that that is their profession. If anything, I'm I, you know they're working on the highway. I'm giving them a wide berth. I've sat in those cabs and looked down, and it, it's difficult. It's complicated. It's yeah. scary, and um, you know people want their Netflix, pay, you know their Amazon packages on time. So let's just let those truckers do their job, <laughs> right? Um, speaking of Amazon, you know, not only can you, we, we see on Netflix, but the Underground Railroad, um, Barry Jenkins's show, um, you're also in that. Um, what was it like working with Barry Jenkins on this project? Because there is so much kind of history involved. There's so much emotion involved, but but also just so much nuance to, you know, what they went through, what we're going through now. You know, there's there's so much kind of cool cool stuff to get into with that show i feel well i guess the first thing i'd say about barry is that he he made everyone feel safe and heard and created an environment where that was possible that the most important thing wasn't the work it was your ability to do the work and that uh is rare in this business um and particularly complicated and to be applauded in the context of underground railroad he took care of everyone was that a hard role for you to play yes i mean i i think we were talking about you know, smarmy characters earlier. And I, that that adjective is an understatement, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would imagine that, you know, kind of something like that is hard, hard to, to play. It might be hard to shake too, kind of what, you know, after a day is done or kind of after the show's done. Well, there was one day when we were working and because my family was somewhere else on a different time zone, I had a brief small window of time to uh, call my son and, and uh, put him to bed and uh, tell him good night. And, but we needed to shoot. We were losing the light and, you know, it, we needed to move on and they needed to interrupt my phone call. And Barry interceded and said, no, no, um, give him uh, five more minutes because that, if you're comfortable as a person and feel taken care of as a person, um, it, you can work together to tell a gruesome story like that. And uh, he did that for us. I mean, I'm a very small part. I know he did that for everyone. So how's it, how's it been working on this show? I know you can't speak too much about it, but I mean, are you, are you embracing your inner, you know, Tolkien nerd? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's very, very exciting. And it's been uh, exhilarating revisiting the texts um and delving into i mean it's it's really hard to talk about because i'm so excited about it and i want to talk about it but also um i know amazon can hear us right now in some way <laughs> they're listening they got elves there's i can see the elves in the back with an arrow that's <laughs> ready to take you out the green light on my uh, computer just started throbbing <laughs> so i i'm i'll have to leave it there it 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 it's <laughs> It's a dream kind of job. It's been very exciting. And everyone they put together, um, uh, 
just makes every day more and more interesting and uh it's exciting that i mean i sound like a one of those uh, babbling buffoon actors but it, it's it makes me stumble with words it, it's and and also because i want to talk about it <laughs> but, but, I, but i can't i'm sorry did you grow up with you know, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings when you were a kid. I mean, was that, did you, did you read those or, or did you kind of come in to this kind of not knowing the text that, that much? Oh no. Uh, my older brother was a big fan and read all the books and um, got me into it and uh, gave me the, the Hobbit. And also when, um, when I was a child, my father had a movie rental store and we had the cartoons and um mm-hmm. But yeah, my brother uh, is incredibly smart and could just fly through the books. And, um, uh, you know, I still to this day see it as a badge of honor to to get through um, the Silmarillion, for example. So if your dad had a video rental store, which sounds like the awesomest thing ever, probably at our age when we were kids, because, I mean, I spent so much time in a video rental store, you know, whenever I could. Um, how much did that help you in just kind of learning to love film and just kind of like, you know, with everything kind of there at, at your disposal? I mean, is that kind of how you got into a deep love for it? I'm sure it is. And he also, you know, as a kid, you don't want to watch a black and white movie. What, this is from the 40s, the 50s? Come on, Dad. But he would make you watch something that would blow your mind. Uh, I remember he played the Maltese Falcon and I was just so grumpy and such a pill about watching this black and white movie. And I I think my jaw was on the floor for every frame of it. And it, it, those old movies taught me the love of cinema. And I'm very grateful to my father for making me, I mean, he didn't have to push me very hard um, after introducing me to Gary Cooper and Barbara Stanwyck and Humphrey Bogart. You know, those movies, like you say, were the seed of my love of cinema. What have you really enjoyed about New Zealand so far? Just being there, just being around. Because everyone in the world has been struggling um, with Corona. It it sounds insensitive for me to talk about how well they've handled it here. Um, but they have life here has been pretty normal. Um, and that's been great because we've been able to work, but uh, the, I'd say the people of New Zealand are pretty remarkable and their respect for each other and the respect for their country and the, the land of the country. I mean, the, I haven't seen a bit of trash on the ground for more than two seconds before someone bends down and picks it up because they see it as their responsibility to each other. And uh, I found that very moving. How cool has it been taking your family on this adventure with you? Because, you know, not only do you get to go to New Zealand, you get to take them with you. Well, anytime we can be together as a family, uh, it's a luxury. Um, And, it keeps you healthy mentally and spiritually to, to be around people that care about you and that you care about. And, you know, 
back to Barry Jenkins, you know, he recognized that and, and did that for me. Um, and we're incredibly lucky on this job that we've been able to, um, especially my, my wife of the, the, who works a great deal and is incredible um, has uh, it's been really lucky that we've been able to be here at the same time. Yeah, And you guys have a, have a movie together, the King's daughter that has not come out. Correct. No, not yet. I think they're still working on it. Okay. Was that the first time you ever worked together? Yeah, it was. What was that like working together? It was fun. I mean, we, we, um, we were kind of just drinking buddies throughout the filming. Um, we were friends and, you know, it, it, you hear a lot about uh, showmances. It wasn't that. We were kind of co-patriots and buddies and then it blossomed afterwards. Best relationships come out of friendship. I think so. You kind of um, really get to know each other first as opposed to uh, years down the line. Like, oh, that's who you are. <laughs> Which is usually what they say about me. <laughs> oh, now I know who you are. Um, anything else that you're that did you worked on that hasn't come out yet, or anything you know, anything else that you've been up to? I'm excited for people to see the Ice Road, and also because it is kind of a return to those great, big, exciting films of the '90s, and um, it's got great music, and it's just. Um, it's kind of what we need right now. Something to just pull you out of it. Liam plays a hero, which he does incredibly well. And we get to go on that journey. And, and I don't know, for me, something that just kind of takes you out of reality for a moment, uh, I find really exciting. Well, it does have that 90s vibe, but it also has like, action that we haven't seen before. We have not seen, you know, like big trucks on ice, you know, no. throw big, big truck on <laughs> ice. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's just like, and you know, the, it's doing some of the stuff that they do with trucks. I'm like, there's no way that's going to work. And then they, you know, it's like the thing where they're both on the sides yeah. and they use police to bring them back up. I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, but it's just like, it probably is something that, like they do. Yeah. Which, you know, just like they can't pull this off. And you're like, oh, that's probably how they do that. You yeah, know? they do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. When you, <laughs> that was the other thing of, about um, those uh, trucks. There are little worlds. I mean, you can live in there, cook in there. It It is able of it, it's capable of looking after itself. It has all these different parts and components and um yeah, I'm an actor who played a guy who could drive a truck. I'm not a truck driver. Those guys were remarkable. <laughs> cool, sir. Thank you so much for taking time. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. It's nice to meet you. It's good to meet you. And I can't wait to see all of what you're doing. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to show it. Seeing to you. the trailers, and you know, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, hopefully, we'll get get a chance to talk again when you can talk about. Them. Yeah, I look forward. I'm sure we will, and I look forward to it. All right. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. And next up is someone who superhero fans will know. Here's a clip. You have the most beautiful smile. A vampire smile. Ow! The world is weird. We investigate unexplained phenomena. I don't believe in possession. Behold the cross of the Lord. I believe in the truth. What is that? You are 
adorable. That was a clip from Evil, the CBS drama that moves to Paramount Plus for its second season and stars our second super cool guest this week, Mike Coulter. The show is from The Good Wife and The Good Fight creators Robert and Michelle King, and it's sort of an X-Files for religion with Coulter, Katja Ebers, and Asif Manvi as three investigators for the Catholic Church who look into suspected demonic possessions, miracles, and other religious phenomena to see if they're real or fake. Season two, which is being released weekly on Sundays, of course, is a bit darker than the first, focusing on a plot to turn the next generation of children evil, along with the usual cases of the week. You might remember Mike is another Jessica Jones alum and was also the star of Netflix's Luke Cage. And Kelly talked to him about the new season of Evil. Yeah, it's been an extra long break between seasons one and two of Evil because of the pandemic. Are you really excited for fans to see what comes next? It was quite a cliffhanger we were left with. Yeah, I really am, because I think this season takes us right where we left off, starts us um, right at the end. And obviously you can see that Kristen has... um, seems to me have been compromised, maybe possessed or something like that. We're not sure. Um, It takes us right from there and it goes into, I guess, another layer, because I think what people are looking for is what's going to happen to the main characters. And what I like about the second season is that you really don't know what's happening. You really don't know who is um, who is basically possessed, not possessed. You don't know whether sociological or psychological um, things that work demons. And for my character, what I love about it is that he's on this journey. We've basically figured that he's going to be a priest at some point, but we don't know and we won't find out to the end. Um, do you think moving to Paramount Plus has changed the show in any way? I think we found out just about time we were wrapping our second season. I think it will change it some way. Mm. I think it's for the good because obviously we won't be held by um, a format that a lot says that we have to have 42 minutes of television. We have a little more time to actually create and edit uh, an episode that people really will enjoy. I think we'll have um, less um, stringent um, protocol in terms of what we can say, what we can show. And I think our show ultimately is what it should be. But having that freedom on on a streaming platform is going to be better for the show. I clocked one F-bomb 11 minutes in in the season premiere. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, well, there you go. There, there you go. My boss thinks that the Kings got to uh, the F-bombs in the good, white, uh, good fight uh, faster than that. <laughs> Probably. But they knew they were on the streaming platform from the beginning. So for yeah. us, it was a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you mentioned how we think David's going to become a priest. And so I've seen the first three episodes um, and we get to sort of see him in his like seminary training for the first time. Um, so I imagine like whether or not he's going to become a priest and how he's doing in his studies is going to be a bigger plot point. It is. Um, it's also, you know, him trying to really think, of, I mean, think about what he's going to do. I mean, he basically is going to sort of give his life away in terms of devotion and in terms of um, commitment. And it's a difficult challenge. I think sometimes it's, I, I liken it to saying you want to jump out of an airplane. So you get up, you know, up in the clouds and then they turn the engines off and they put you at the door and then you, it's your turn to jump. And I don't know that people realize what it's like until you get ready to do that. And you're like, well, sounded good when I was talking about it on the ground. And I think that's what we are with David. I think David is having a, a, a bit of um, a bit of a, you know, I, I say come to a Jesus moment, but it's actually more in line with coming to a reality of what he's actually embarking on. Something I also think is a little different in the second season is sort of in the first part of the first season, we're not totally sure if the supernatural and religious phenomena are real or if they're all going to be explained away by various 
things that we understand, technology and stuff and psychology. Um, but I think sort of by the time that we saw the devil sitting in Leland Townsend's office, we were kind of hopefully convinced that <laughs> this stuff was real. So is that something that Kristen and Ben are going to have to confront? Because obviously Ben's got his own nightmare demon now. Yeah, I, I don't you know, it's again, it's it's the question of what people are seeing. Is it is it in their mind or is it actually um, happening in reality? And I think throughout this throughout the uh, season and throughout the show, um, as we continue to tell the story, we're going to find out that some of the things that we think are not real are actually real. And some of the things that we think are um, or are, are, you know, not or, or real or not real. And it's just going to be it's going to be a, a bit of a mind play. I really feel that by the end of the season, there's going to be some some scares that people won't expect and some things that we'll, we'll be dealing with that will be surprises to the audience. Uh, so I, I really feel like this season kind of ramps up and just keeps going and getting better and better. Um, and I think we, we, we sort of hit our stride and, and, uh, and episode seven, I feel like, which is sort of a, um, it's, it's, it's a wonderful episode as a second like silent episode. So I'm really looking forward to people seeing that one. Um, one new character that I really was intrigued by is the, is the nun who sort of becomes David's ally and helps with figuring out what Leland's up to. Um, why do you th- like, she's sort of like the only one else in like the Catholic structure who kind of gets what they're, the three of them are doing. Was that sort of like deliberate to try to keep them separate from the institution? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think having, I think having someone, a confidant or someone that is an ally with David who has what appears to what you find appears to have visions, appears to have a closer relationship with God, but also someone who seems pragmatic and seems you know grounded in, in some sort of reality. She does come across as someone who doesn't take herself too seriously, but at the same time, she has an insight on on this world of demons and spirituality. And 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 we're not sure where she gets her powers or where she gets her insight, but there's more mystery behind her. And I think we'll find out some things as we go along by the end of the season. We'll find out more of how she became a nun. We'll find out why she's taking the path that she's taken and, and, and help guide David and figure out what he wants to do with his life. So obviously the show raises a lot of big philosophical questions for its audience, but you know, when you guys were filming it and reading the scripts, did it ever lead to any sort of interesting discussions on set? Always. I think, I think, well, I mean, for, by and large, I feel like a lot of us have similar sets of beliefs or system of beliefs Um all of us being sort of um, bohemian artists, people who have, you know, gypsy life. We, we sort of, we, we sort of accept a lot of different, um, uh, different points of view because as actors, we have to sort of embody characters and we have to sort of think the way they think. And we sort of open ourselves up to understanding what that is. And I think a lot of times when, from a philo- philosophical standpoint, I think I'm similar to my character in one regard in that I will for the sake of argument, be a contrarian because I do like the, to debate and find out why people think what they think and what's it what's it grounded in, and um, and that's something that sometimes gets me into trouble. But we do have a, a healthy a healthy discussion on set about a lots lots of things. Anything that's in the that's going on in the news and that you know one of us you know comes into contact with, we might bring it up and and and. Uh, talk about it on set. So we always have these kind of healthy discussions about things, maybe politics and religion and stuff. So it's, it's, it's good for us and sort of keeps us, you know, keeps us sharp. So you obviously were on the good wife, which is also uh, created by Robert and Michelle King and on that show and the good fight, they take a lot of stuff from the headlines and put it into the series. And I, I it looked a little bit like COVID-19 might be making its way into evil, but 
in a maybe interesting uh, supernatural kind of way. Is there anything more you can talk about that? You, you know, I, I think we there were there was there was a lot of talk about how we we're going to deal with COVID-19 or the pandemic in itself. And because it happens, I mean, because the show picks up where it left off in reality, that wasn't a COVID-19 time. Yeah. So we're sort of dealing with the show in real time, but I guess the show ha- happens in a span of a few months for the second season. And by the time you get to the end of the second season, there is the possibility that we can invite this, you know, this pandemic into our, plot line and narrative. But I also feel like people sometimes are a little bit fatigued with this idea of, of pandemics. Um, some procedurals are doing it. I've heard, you know, people are dealing with it. They come on the actors or the characters come into a scene with the masks on and then take them off or something like that. That's what I've heard. I, I don't want to, I don't want to want to say that our show is going to do that because we, I don't, we, we won't, that's not what we are about. Um, but if it need, if it needs to be introduced, we will um, so far. Uh, you said episode three. I, I don't think by episode uh, five or six or seven, you're going to see any masks on our face under <laughs> the surgical masks. Yeah, I just I saw a little news report about about China and, and my little. Yeah, it was in there because it was it, it actually made sense. And it, but it actually has another another. Um, if you recall, I mean, there's also this character from episode or from season one um, who's like a soothsayer. soothsayer. She's sort of um, she's uh, she's Asian and she has this this she sees things and she helps David and in, 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 I think episode 10 or 11 in the hospital. And so we may see her again. So there may be some connection there, but it's um, but it's a lot going on for you. Has what has been the scariest part of the series to either film or to maybe watch if you actually if you watch the episodes after they're completed? Um, I think. It's hard. It's hard for you know me as an actor to be afraid because I see all the bells and whistles and I see stuff that's going on behind it. But when I remember, I remember reading um, episode four. Um, I guess you haven't seen that episode yet, but this is I think it's E for Elevator, I believe, is what it's it is called. And I remember reading it, and it's a character in there called the Tech Tech Girl. And um, and if you if you read it. I don't want to give too much away, but if you read it, when I was, when I was reading it and you see it, we'll see how it plays um, when, when the final, when you see it finally on screen. But it was this character that, you know, it freaked me out. And I, and I couldn't stop thinking about this because anytime you're dealing with something, it's, it's a child, it's a, it's like a ghost. And it's something that it's like, a, it's like someone who's haunting um, a building. And it, and it, and if you, when you see what the story of what happened to this this girl and, and, and what's, what's going on. It's frightening. It's frightening. It's, it's, it's creepy. It's eerie. And if I was a kid, all oh, it would, it would freak me out. Like if I was a kid and I lived in a building with an elevator of any sort, I would probably be taking the stairs for the rest of my life <laughs> until I left, you know, the building. I don't think I could take the stairs. I'm take the elevator again. I really don't think I could. Is horror a genre that you really like? Uh, don't I, I don't, I'm, I guess I do like it. I'm not sure. Maybe it likes me too. I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's like, sometimes you, you're, you're chosen or, or, or you choose, but sometimes you're chosen. I, I do like the genre because I think what happens with the genre and and happens more so in that genre than others. And it goes back to like George A. Ramiro, who did Line of Living Dead, the originals and some other stuff. You know, he was a profound um, pioneer in the in that genre. And when he did Night, Night of the Living Dead, um, it was profound because, you know, you had a lead, uh, one of the lead actors at the time. These weren't really actors. They were sort of like it was a low budget film. There's a black actor who who played this lead and he was like the um, the protagonist. Um, and 
And at the end of the film, he was still alive until, if you recall, they shot him. Like they were rounding up all the zombies and the, and the radiation, everything was going on. And he, he had made it through and daylight came out and it seemed like he was going to make it. And and they shot him. It was so it was such an anticlimactic thing, but it was so profoundly poetic in, in some regard. And I, re- I remember thinking about that. And if you look at that and you look at some other film and television things, when you come when it comes to genre and apocalypse and things of that nature, somehow it, it becomes all encompassing and the people and the diversity really starts to open up because it really doesn't matter when it comes to end of world, people stop thinking about demographics as much as they used to when things are like calm. And, and you talk about like, if you think about, we always say if aliens came down to earth, we all would become human all of a sudden. We wouldn't, we wouldn't divide ourselves by any sort of, you know, you know, group or, or ethnicity. We would just become all one because we, 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 there'd be aliens all of a sudden and we'd be just us. And we're trying to figure out how we, how we relate to them. And that would be all there would be. And I think that's, what's great about horror and genre. So it does feel like the, the, the great um, equalizer in a lot of ways. Um, so do you have anything else that you're working on besides um, getting ready for evil season two? Uh, no, I, I have a film that I did actually probably just before completed, just before the pandemic, um, before the pandemic started and um and it's called till death so hopefully that'll be out sometime in the fall i'm really um i really like that that film so hopefully that'll be out in the fall and I look forward to doing that now i'm starting to look for some other projects to jump on once i once i get a quick little breather thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me this was really fun thank you okay listeners your turn are you watching the ice road this weekend are you are you gonna binge evil let's talk about it on twitter you can find us at mothership pod but you can also tweet us individually I'm at Brian Truitt. You can reach Brett at Brett Molina 23 and Kelly's at K-Laws, K-L-A-W-L-S. And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at mothershippod at usatoday.com. But we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of The Mothership this week, Adam Fish. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Until next Friday, nerds out. <laughs>